Let's go. Let's go. Give it a whirl. Give it a go. I need to check my hard drive space. I could be running out of hard drive space. Check your hard drive space. Uh, you know what it is. People always say that nowadays. You know what it is. Do I know what it is? I don't think I know what it is. Maybe only you know what it is. Sunny Coates and the Emerald Lane Podcast, episode number 29. And here we are stepping bravely, cautiously, uh, with full force into the year 2021, forever 2021. Oh, man. 2020, uh, I guess I don't need to go into it, do I? I think we all, we all had, uh, we all were smacked in the back of the head last year. There's no need in uh, belaboring the point. But here we are in 2021, having made it, having survived. I personally, I am in Portugal. I'm in Porto, Portugal, which is in the north of the country. Uh, I am broadcasting right now out of a hotel. Um, I don't, I don't know the area of the city I'm in. I'm in central Porto. Uh, yeah, I'm looking out of a 20-foot window at a, at a reflection of myself as the uh, sun sets. It's about 30, 39 degrees outside. It's chilly outside, even though I'm looking at a palm tree. I thought Portugal was more like California, but I. Apparently in the north, it is, uh, it's like New York. The previous podcast, I was broadcasting from Paris, France. And I still, I still am living in Paris, France. Uh, my apartment is still there, but I'm here hiding from uh, what we call confinement, which is in English confinement. There is a lockdown in most of Western Europe. And it was reimposed a couple of months back. And um, instead of going back to Paris and having to sit in my apartment with no restaurants open, make all my meals by myself and live out a grim existence, I decided to, uh, well, I came to Portugal for a week. Originally, I came here for a week just to scout out the country and to see what the vibe was, you know, travel around. I thought maybe at some point, I, I always fantasized about purchasing property in Portugal. I'd always heard about it, people mentioning it. So I wanted to come and see what all of the excitement was about. I wanted to come to Lisbon and see if it was the Shangri-La and the, the promised land that all so many friends have said, said it was. Came here for a week, ended up staying for a couple more weeks after that. Then found out about the new confinement in Paris, and I said, fuck that. There's no way I'm going back to a lockdown in my one-bedroom apartment, making all of my meals, uh, sitting there, uh, shopping for myself. It's so labor-intensive. It's just, I'm not going back, man. I did it. I had, I had, uh, I had the, uh, the abuse. I'm not suffering any more abuse. And I, I said, look, I'm going to stay here. I'll stay here until the lockdown is over in Paris, at which point I will go back to my apartment happily, gladly. But here in Portugal, it, there, although there is a lockdown on the weekends at times, it is a lockdown with a much more, uh, with, a, with a velvet glove, with a lighter touch. 
which I really appreciate. Uh, restaurants are open, bars are open. As long as you uh, act with common sense, wear a mask, then people can keep their businesses open and I don't have to live in a panic room with anxiety for months on end waiting for the government to give the go ahead for the society to open back up. <laughs> not doing it, not this time. So I'm here in a hotel, could have got an Airbnb, but there are, as far as I can see, and I've checked a million Airbnbs, I cannot find any Airbnbs with a bathtub. And that is a requirement, a fundamental requirement for any place that I stay. There must be a bathtub. I bathe regularly, so uh, bathing, not, not, you know, when you, when you say bathe, people say, they confuse that with showering or washing. No, I bathe. Every night I take a bath. And this is a precondition to any place that I inhabit. So I couldn't find any Airbnbs with bathtubs. This hotel that I came to, it has a glorious freestanding bathtub in, in, a, in a beautiful room with all this glass and it overlooks a garden and a huge palm tree. And uh, as such, I decided, well, I'll just stay here. I would just stay here, and when the confinement's over, I will go back to Paris, no problem. But I've been uh, discovering a great many deal of insights, and um, Portugal is a very interesting country. I, I highly recommend <laughs> you come to visit. Very interesting place. Uh, I'll get into that later, but just telling you, that, that is my status right now. And um, here we are. Uh, episode number 29 uh, I just want to touch base I know it's been a while uh, but uh, here we are Look, uh, there's no need for me to get into uh, into a long thing what I want to do let's get into some music let me think about what I'm going to say this, these things are so nerve wracking what am I going to say I have a microphone in front of me I'm in an empty room I have a couple ideas but it's uh you know, it's, it's a lot of uh, commitment, a lot of weight for one person to have. I mean, you got to entertain people for an hour. Let me, let, me, let me think about some things I can say while the music plays. And, and on the other end of this song, hopefully I will have come up with something and uh, we'll get into uh, some interesting moments. Episode number 23 of the Emerald Lane Podcast. This is your host, Sonny Coates, always and forever. Groove into this beautiful song. Hope you enjoy.
Yo. <laughs> well, it looks like I do have something to talk about after all. Um, it looks as if a group of, oh, this is crazy. A group of, of uh, hopped up MAGA supporters, a, a motley crew of, of bizarre characters, have, have rushed Capitol Hill in Washington, D.C. Uh, in order to protest the election results. I feel sorry for them, honestly. They're, they're, they're rushing the wrong place. The, the seat of power in the country of the United States is actually not the White House. It's, uh, it's in family offices and in uh, corporate boardrooms in Wall Street. But, uh, you know, an angry mob is an angry mob. What are you going to tell them? That, you know, somebody wants... Uh, people are frustrated. People are frustrated. And you know what? I blame uh, the lack of education in our country, the United States. I'm American. And uh, this, this dominant narrative that has had the public in a headlock for generations of Democrats... And Republicans, this is like the Lakers versus the Celtics. This is sports. This is foolishness. At the end of the day, when you when you peel the veil back on the entire political system and, and the uh, what's happening, it's uh, both parties they they lead to the same source. It's money. It's influence. It's the elites. Uh, it's a sociopathic cabal of, of people. Well, listen, actually, there's more nuance to that. Let's just say, I'll, I'll just say this, uh, the president, he, he doesn't hold all of the power, contrary to what we're told. I mean, people are children, literally walking around like children. No offense, I don't mean to insult anyone, but you, you've got to appreciate there's a tremendous amount of nuance to organizational structures, especially something as powerful as the United States of America. Presidents, I've been saying this for a long time, replace all politicians with algorithms. People laugh and they bristle when I say that, or, or I say more than anything, they, they don't understand, they're confused. When I say some, such a thing, they think it's a, a nihilistic sci-fi kind of rebellious statement that's uh, nonsense, nonsensical. Replace politicians with algorithms. That's already happening. Let's, let's glimpse into the future, shall we? The future is always happening. In other words, the foundations of future times are being plotted and being, they're, they're being laid here in the present. So, what is happening right now? All around us, our world is becoming digitized. Everything, uh, there's, a, there's a very famous quote out of Silicon Valley. Software is eating the world. The world, the world. Meaning everything is becoming digital. For example, you think of a company like Amazon. Amazon, which exists entirely in cyberspace. They have no storefront. They exist in the cloud. All of the information, all of their stock, everything is, is aggregated 
via software and, and artificial intelligence on a cloud. No brick and mortar retail shop can possibly compete with that over the long term. You have a shop and you can only hold so much stock, so much hard uh, merchandise on premises. If you're located in Manhattan or in Kansas City, you can't serve people who are, for the most part, in China or in uh, Hollywood, California. Software is eating the real world. And the same thing is going to happen in the political realm. The same thing is going to happen to governments. There will be government 2.0. People don't realize, but the technologists slowly but surely will take over the political landscape with software, with algorithms, with more efficient systems. And, and whose fault is it? It's the crooked politicians who uh, fight amongst themselves. They serve themselves. They run such an inefficient operation. They were begging to be obsolete. 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 Think about it. You have state and federal governments who impose a predatory tax on the citizens, and the services that they render are subpar. They are not equivalent to the taxes they charge. They offer up a Chick-fil-A or McDonald's level service, and they charge Louis Vuitton taxes. And they thought they had the monopoly, they thought they had the game cornered, and that nobody could take over, but they did not see the ingenuity and the innovation coming from the uh, technological sector. These people are, are going to run circles around these politicians. They, they don't even know what's happening. I mean, if you look at things like Bitcoin, cryptocurrencies, a far more efficient form of money. Bitcoin is a, a synthetic pharmaceutical grade gold. It exists in cyberspace. It can, it can transcend all country lines and, and nation states, borders. What are borders? Borders are, are lines drawn on a map by a, a, a man who thinks he has a monopoly. The tyranny of place. You've heard of that? Neither had I. This is, a, this is a term that I just became acquainted with as I was reading this amazing book I highly recommend called The Sovereign Individual. This is a book that was written in the, in the late 90s. I bring my voice down because I'm, I'm in awe at how true everything these authors predicted. In the late 90s, they predicted cryptocurrency, things like Amazon, uh, smartphones, uh, a bank being in your pocket on a smartphone. One of the very fascinating ideas that they predict is that nation states will slowly dissolve under the weight of digital transformation and innovation. Nation states will be rendered obsolete and that the tyranny of place will be defeated. What is the tyranny of place? It's when you're a victim to being born in a certain country that has a corrupt government where endless warfare is being waged, 
some of us are lucky. Some of us are born in countries like the United States, and we enjoy multiform privileges solely because we popped out of a womb in uh, Seattle or in Texas as opposed to Rwanda or Bosnia, South Africa. Borders will, will dissolve, nation states will go. All of this is unfolding now. People are storming Capitol Hill as we speak. Trump supporters, this is a, this is a very inefficient, clumsy way of trying to win, win a game. What is there to win if your uh, elected politician of choice remains in office? How does it really benefit you? These are questions you have to ask yourself. How does your life change for the better on the everyday basis? Does it change? Or are you simply just a fanatic for a particular brand, yet receiving no true benefit? It's a, it's a question one has to ask themselves. It's uh, something I ponder all the time. Anyway, on that note of the grim, dystopian future, uh, it could be utopian as well. I think, I think we'll be better off replacing politicians with artificial intelligence. I can get more into it if you'd like. I know that sounds preposterous to most people. Uh, but the human element of inefficiency, infighting, uh, self-centered corruption, vested interests, it's time. It's time for us to transcend these, uh, these dark forces and, and in the very least try a new path. Uh, what's the worst that can happen? We can just try to get rid of these people and implement an automated efficient system. Let's give it a shot. Before, before you uh, say that what I argue that what I'm saying is, is um, absurd, let's just give it a shot. Let's see what happens. We'll be, let's be scientific about it. Let's implement the scientific method and, and form a hypothesis based on testing, experimentation, not emotion, fanaticism, and uh, recklessness. On that note, let's go into another song. This is a, uh, I discovered this song the other day. I was taking a shower here in uh, Portugal, Porto, Portugal, and uh, this came on the radio, a beautiful French radio station. I highly recommend this station. It's called Radio Mew. Mew. M-E-U-H. Radio Mew. Mew is the sound that French people say that a cow makes. In the United States, we say cows make the sound moo. Moo. In France, they say the cows make the sound mew. Anyway, it's a funny name for a radio station, but they play this radio station in retail shops and restaurants throughout the city of Paris, and it is a banging station. I highly recommend it. These people are broadcasting out of a, a mountainous region in eastern France, and their encyclopedic knowledge of 
American black soul music from the mid 70s into the mid 80s is uh, unrivaled, unparalleled. It, it's, it will blow your mind. And it never stops. I'm constantly being, being schooled by these foreigners on my own culture. And anyway, I heard this song playing one evening and as the sun was setting and I was struck by, by the beauty. I had to sit down on the edge of the bed. I sat and I just, I couldn't believe I had never heard this song in my life. What a gorgeous song of ethereal beauty and, uh, well, that's enough talking. I guess I'll just get into it now and, and you can be the judge. I, I do hope you enjoy it as much as I do. <laughs> Emerald Lane, episode number 29. Let's talk to you on the other side. Sisters 
the 60s that's a song that I always heard in my childhood in 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 corners in sun-drenched corners in my mind although there is a slight hint of melancholy when you listen to the song I guess singing about the rain or maybe it's the haunting the the, the memory of uh, of the 60s and you, you hear the echo of those ghost vocals and that family singing singing together in such a in such a 
sublime harmony together. And I mean, come on, compare that to the pop music of today. I, you know, I hate to be comparing like an old man, an old bitter man, to the synthetic, robotic, unemotional, detached pop music that I hear today. Perfected synthetic uh, perfection. I hate to compare that to this analog communal beauty, the energy of, of seven people singing together in one studio and live musicians playing. I mean, look, for Christ's sakes, they got harps in that song. And, the, the, you know, the arrangements are so much more elaborate. I mean, the musicality, the effort, you know, the, the, just the, the beauty. When you combine all of the sums in a mathematic equation, of, of what went into making that song compared to what goes into the average song today, you know, just one man sitting in, a, in his uh, bedroom studio lab, Frankensteining a hundred tracks together separately, like Lego pieces, then flying in vocals from some girl who's in another country, perfecting her vocals with auto-tune and pacing it all together in a mishmash chop up mash up you can't compare if you just if you just do the mathematical equations it's a obviously i mean the two just don't compare this is just math that we're talking about no one wants to do math anymore it's all just emotion and uh and just blind rage i uh i'm back in paris by the way i i I time traveled back to Paris. I know in the original segment I said that I've, I made the bold declaration that I would never return to Paris during the lockdown. I sounded so convinced and bold at that time, didn't I? Well, as fate would have it, that was not to be, at least temporarily. I'll explain in a second. You know, it's funny. I came back to Paris and I was struck by how much the fashion had changed. Right now, what's very in vogue with the, the youth here in, in Paris and the fashionable set, not just the youth, it's the fashionable people, fashion conscious, is everything is just very, very baggy now. Very tray baggy. Yeah, I was walking, I, I've been just noticing and uh, yes, yeah, I've seen a lot of kids walking around with pants that look like pajama bottoms, like just draped over their big, big uh, spaceman, bulky shoes. Very cool. I like those. Um, <laughs> it's just funny when you think about time. You know, they're dressing the way we dressed in the late 90s and the early 2000s. And you're seeing these, these young younger, the younger generation, I will say kids, who look back to that time, the time where they were born, or just previous to when they were born, and they're fetishizing it, they're romanticizing that time, you know, before the internet, when people were fresh and funky with big baggy clothes on and hip-hop and house music, and it's, uh, it's charming to see a new generation embody that spirit and want to just to be inspired, to take inspiration from that, that time when I was their age. And it's just funny to come back and, and kind of witness that. And, and even, <laughs> you know, to take part in it again. 
because I'm looking at these, I'm looking at these outfits, and and they just seem really fresh again. And it's funny how, I would say probably around 2000, 2005, six, baggy clothes started seeming very unfashionable, and that's when the skinny jeans came into to style, and people were starting to slim down their outfits, the shape of the clothes they're wearing. It's a shape that's on your frame. And I remember, you know, vividly, that baggy clothes were just uh, odious. It's like, oh God, it's so, so, such bad taste. The slim shape became very like futuristic and cutting edge. And now the slim thing, especially the skinny pants seem very like, you know, you know just poor taste. <laughs> I don't know how they say that. No poor taste. It just seems very like, guys, come on, man. Take those shits off and put on the baggy clothes. And it's just fascinating how, I guess I took a breather from the, um, from the baggy clothes and, and, and took a break. And now I'm looking at the shape again, all the shapes. And they seem very modern and refreshing. So I'm just walking around Paris and I'm, and I'm just seeing all these kids in, in the baggy clothes and I'm just like, you know what, I, I want to get some, some more baggy clothes too. I, I was starting to go baggy a couple years ago when I visited Japan because Japanese are very fashion forward. I mean, they, they actually dictate a lot of global fashion, people don't know. And they were, they were going super baggy a couple years ago. And, uh, you know, it's just funny to come back and think, you know what, I'm, I'm going to go get some more baggy clothes. I want to I get in on this wave with the rest of these people and kind of, you know, change the shape of my, my silhouette and, and kind of, you know, participate in the, uh, in the dialogue that's happening right now, fashion-wise. Why did I get on that tangent? I don't know. I guess I was thinking about, um, you know, generations and time. Uh, when I was a kid listening to that beautiful song. Once again, the cow, cow sills, K-O-W-S-I-L-L-S. It was a family in the 60s that sang together. And, you know, fascinatingly enough, their mother was in the band. You can see her on a video, uh, on a YouTube clip of one of their uh, live performances. I mean, she was in her 40s. And the rest of the kids, you know, they're teeny boppers. Of course, they, they had her kind of uh, behind in the shadows, like basically standing off stage. Uh, you know, nothing ruins a party like having your mom on stage as you're, as you're performing for the young girls. Having your mom in the band on keyboards right behind you. Nothing kills the vibe. <laughs> So anyway, I, I'm back in Paris, so let me just, let me just break this down real quick. I, I fucked up on my visa. I renewed my visa in September. And, uh, oh, by the way, also, Portugal, where I was staying, uh, they went into lockdown as well. So I'll just have that as a reference point. And I, listen, I was more than happy to stay in Porto, Portugal. It is a lovely little city. And uh, no disrespect 
to uh, the people in Porto. It sounds like I'm condescendingly patting their heads. Oh, it's such a such a charming little city. It's it's the second biggest city in in Portugal. Make no mistake, it's, it is a major city. And I I was I was more than happy to stay there through a lockdown. I have a, a beautiful hotel suite and a lovely backyard. The, the temperature is warmer there. Portugal is, is sunnier and friendlier with less of an edge uh, than is here in Paris. I bought a PlayStation. I had plans to uh, you know, spend the rest of the lockdown playing Cyberpunk 2077. But it wasn't to be because uh, I fucked up on my visa. I renewed my long stay French visa in September, but I failed to return two weeks later to pick up the hard copy. You're issued a paper temporary visa, much like in the United States when you, uh, when you renew your license, you're given a paper temporary license until the hard copy arrives in the mail. So I went to Portugal on a mission to, to scout it out and see what all of the buzz was about. And my intention was only to be there for one week. I ended up staying for three months in change. I don't know why I got comfortable. I, I was enamored. It was a very charming place. Oh, oh, no, I'll tell you why. Because, because uh, France went into lockdown. So I said, well, fuck it, I'm going to stay here. Why should I go to lockdown when I'm here in a country that is free, where restaurants and cafes are open and I can move about with, uh, with perfect autonomy, and with freedom, you know? So I, I decided to evade the Paris lockdown and just bide my time in... in in Portugal. Flash forward three months, Portugal goes into lockdown. But what's worse is that I realized that my temporary visa, it was set to expire on February 2nd. So um, long story short, I had to hightail it back to France. I had to uh, take a PCR test in order to gain access to the, the French borders, you have to take a coronavirus test. And I had to fly back home. I made it by the skin of my teeth and returned to my, my uh, little apartment here. Unfortunately, the first appointment that I could schedule to go pick up the hard copy of my uh, visa is on the 25th, which is about three weeks from now. Literally, it's a five-minute appointment. I don't know. The, the French bureaucracy, their, their administrative <laughs> arm is, uh, is a little behind. and It's a lot of paperwork, not a lot of automation. So um, I'm here for another three weeks, and uh, my, I, I still have my hotel suite in uh, Porto waiting on me with all of my things there. Funnily enough, I, I basically backed up, replicated my Paris apartment in Porto. So all of the things that I hold near and dear, all of the things that I need from a utilitarian aspect are there, replicated. My Japanese knee chair, which 
I must have everywhere I travel. Musical equipment, my studio, my drawing supplies. They're replicated in two spaces across two countries right now. It's funny to think about it. It's very, I never thought that that would be a, uh, a scenario in which I would be negotiating or traveling back and forth. It's, uh, life, as I always say, is just full of surprises and you never know how things are going to turn out. You, one can never peer through the misty veils of, uh, of the future. It's, uh, that's uh, one of the scintillating things about life. It keeps you guessing, keeps you on your toes. Anyway, on that note, I hope you were, uh, I hope you uh, are still with me after that long extended uh, rant uh, full of tangents and unnecessary information. We're going to go into another song here. In keeping with that sexy international globe-trotting, time zone shifting, time-traveling vibe. Back in Paris, baby. I, you know, look, you can say a lot of things about Paris. There's a lockdown. It's, it's a little bit of a harsher environment. The weather's colder, the people are colder, the stares they give off, the attitude, but who are we kidding? I mean, it's, it's still, Paris is still a sexy city. There's no denying that. I mean, uh, Let's get into some of that sexy Euro disco shit right now. This is a, a Parisian duo do. Emerald Lane, Emerald Lane, It's not a
track man I mean what really what does that track place you what, what, what kind of headspace does that song put you in I mean for me I think it it, I, it feels somewhat like the 80s the way I felt when I was a, a kid in the 80s because of the synthesizer uh, there, there's there is something sacred about it but also there is a, a technological kind of, uh, it's almost like a heavenly dreamscape in a digital, in a digital realm. Well, that's, anyway, that's how I, that's the vision that, and the feeling that comes to me. That was a young black woman out of Los Angeles, California named Nyla Hunter came across her music and uh, it's, it's really cool. Like, if you see a picture of this girl, just a young black woman in the inner city with braids, and I, I would never assume, even, even me as a person of color, so I'll let white people off the hook, even me as a per person of color who's completely been brainwashed and uh, 
had my, my mind put through the mixoplex twister of the social programming. Even me, I, I, I would never assume that when I see a picture of this woman that she is making ambient cosmic tone poems <laughs> dedicated to celestial bodies. I would just say, oh, well, she's just a regular person. What does that mean? You, you know, you do that all day. I see people, all of these uh, extras in my movie. In other words, all of the people, all of the strangers around me as I stroll the city streets, anywhere I am, all of the strangers about me. How can you ever know? You can never know the motives, the dreams, uh, the, the talents, uh, the politics of any of these people around you. All you can do is just quickly fasten assumptions onto people and just say, okay, this person's a fashion guy, this person's a nerd, that chick is like a square, that old person's bitter. <laughs> that black dude seems a little dangerous, so let me keep away from him. That guy seems, you know, seems like a racist. I do all of these things, e even as a person of color. I, you know, look, come on. We're all sensitive people, as Marvin Gaye used to sing. What am I, I, how can I, how can you blame me? How can I blame you? We're all trying to navigate this, this conundrum. We're, we've all been conditioned in, uh, in all of these bizarre ways. Anyway, back to Nyla Hunter, the girl who I was talking about. Like, dude, I just think it's cool, man. I like seeing those unexpected twists. I like when people throw you for a loop. I want to see black girls with braids from, from inner city LA who are ambient music composers that making you know, music dedicated to the stars and the heavenly bodies. I want to champion that, man. I, I want to see an influx of sensitive souls, a, a new generation of, of poets to heal the nation, man. Soften the edges, put light fires in, in the children's eyes, man. Don't you want to see more of that? Don't you want to see less of Drake and future clones and uh, Migos clones? I want to see more of Alice Coltrane, Jimi Hendrix, and Beatles clones. Just original, idiosyncratic personalities. New Bob Dylans, new Tupac Shakurs. Let's be original. This uh, pandemic... I think, I think we'll see an unrivaled tidal wave of creativity to come out of this. I've said this before many times, but I think people just need to put their heads down, to shut off their computers, take off their headphones, stop mimicking your favorite writer, favorite musician, scientist, engineer, actor, wh whoever, and just go for what you know, man. Put pen to the page. Just write what's coming out of you in that moment, no matter how bizarre it sounds, no matter how uh, counter it is to the, to the popular trends. Put yourself and your heart on the page. Uh, uh, express it through your guitar, through your, uh, your drawings, in your uh, innovative financial 
products that you're creating, your code that you're um, you know, putting out into the world. If you're a computer engineer, I mean, let's cover all the bases here. If you're a thinker, please express what is uniquely you. I mean, that's, I don't know, that's, that's what I want to see in the world. I want to see more idiosyncratic creativity and personalities, opinions, perspectives. I mean, that's, that's what, one of the things that makes life so interesting multifaceted, worth living. It's the spice of life. I mean, please, create. Do you. Don't worry about what the next man or woman is cooking up or what they are saying. How do you feel? Really, stand in your shoes. How do you feel? How do you see things? Yeah, just, just put that on the page, man. Put that out there. And, and stand up for yours. You have every right to express your unique opinion as much as anybody on the planet earth just do you i don't care what these what anyone says you know I, like i've said this many times on this podcast i've been i've been labeled weird since uh, my early youth uh, and when i was young i i didn't understand why it was uh, it, it always went over my head until i realized that in every setting where I traveled, in every school, in every age, every era of my adolescence, there was this common thread. There was a consistency <laughs> that I was weird. I guess I started to realize, oh, wow. They, they think the things that I'm saying are, are very strange and idiosyncratic. I, I, it didn't occur to me. I was just, uh, I was just being myself. These are things that are popping into my mind as I'm answering your question or as I'm telling you how I see the world. And, I, you know, you, you realize that a lot of people are just, I don't know, they're flat thinkers. I say that as a phrase, I say. So many people are thinking flat. In other words, they're seeing the world with very little nuance and dimension. They just interpret the world the way they were instructed to interpret the world and that's fine it's it's no judge this is a this is a tough place to incarnate i mean here you are you you you're thrown into this insane social labyrinth and uh you're lucky if you make it out of life you're lucky if you're able to piece together an original perspective anyway i i I don't want to belabor the point, but just please find the strength and, and be yourself. If only for, uh, for my own selfish wants and desires to see some, something interesting, to see some drama go down, please entertain me. <laughs> Look, on that note, I, I think I see the, uh, the, end of this, uh, the end of this journey just up ahead. And uh, as I stand here broadcasting from my apartment here in locked down Paris, France, I don't know if I mentioned this, there is a 6 p.m. curfew here in Paris. And it's the strangest thing, man. <laughs> I'm not used to that. I feel you, you, the, the, the weirdest thing is to be out and about 
you know, having a stroll, you know, just minding your own business and, you know, having to, at 6 p.m., having to kind of turn around and just shuffle back into your apartment. It's the weirdest feeling. It's such a, there's such a finality to it. It, it, it is very much like being on punishment. It's a, it's a feeling that I have not experienced since I was in junior high. And, and even weirder than that is you'll, you'll be in the house, you know, reading or working. Time will be flying. And you'll realize that 6 p.m. has come and gone. You've, you've crossed the threshold of the curfew. And you look outside and you realize there is no going back outside. <laughs> You're done. That's it. <laughs> anyway, I... I this is a this is a very difficult and dark and just uh, fascinating period that we're all trying to uh, navigate. I'm sure we could all trade war stories of our uh, lockdown experiences. But listen, it, it's like I've said many times, uh, you've got to utilize. This is a very temporary moment of difficulty. And, and somehow we, we have to use it to deepen our characters and become uh, more sensitive, more adept, uh, better people. And I have, I have the sneaking suspicion that in 20 years from now, many of us, most of us will look back at this time through rose-tinted glasses and we'll be we'll romanticize the COVID-19 pandemic. You know, oh man, I remember everything was locked down. The city was so quiet, man. I, I got so creative, I, I couldn't go anywhere. And you know, I, this is the time when, when a generation uh, or, or a whole population of humanity, we became more caring, more aware. You know, we'll, we'll think back, oh man, you know, the pandemic made me slow down and, and I had to face these, these personal issues that were in the back, that were in my closet, and I had to face them. It made me a better person. It, it made us strengthen personal relationships, you know, become closer to our friends and family, look out for one another. And there's going to be so many positive things that are going to come out of this, you know, let alone the technological innovation but the interpersonal and personal revelatory aspects that none of us can see. Uh, we, we can't see how it's all going to turn out from where we stand, but trust me, I'm sure you can sense this. So on that note, you know, it's getting late here and um, I'm going to go and uh, stare out of my window to the desolate streets right now. I hope you're doing well. Please, if you want to, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram at Sonnycoats, S-O-N-N-Y-C-O-A-T-E-S. I only check it once a day anyway for about five minutes. It's impossible. I have, I have friends, a lot of friends on Instagram. I don't know. Let's say I have 200 friends or 500 friends. I don't even know. It's impossible to keep up on everybody's posts. It literally would require an eight-hour job to sit there and to scroll through my timeline for hours to catch up every day. This is an impossible task. 
Yeah. So I basically just contradicted, uh, basically just neutralized the invite that I gave you to reach out to me because I'll never see your, <laughs> I'll never see your, uh, your friend request anyway. But I'm on Twitter as well. You can also find me same handle on YouTube at Sunny Coats. I have a glorious YouTube page full of random information and, and videos expressing various interests, uh, opinions uh, on politics, on, on futurism, cosmic perspectives, and the nature of reality. I can even envision in the future touching on health and uh, healing uh, topics. I have some experience in those realms. And um, I think eventually I'll even make some videos on investing. I am, after all, an accredited investor. A lot of people don't know that. I don't really talk about it here on the Emerald Lane podcast. But listen, uh, there's lots of things you don't know about me. Lots of things I don't know about you. I mean, uh, you're a perfect stranger. We're standing here on the subway platform and you just start talking to me out of nowhere. For right now... I'm going to pass you on the back, wish you well, and uh, listen, until the next End time. End of line.